0: Um, again, welcome to New City. Glad to have you with us this morning. We're going to be wrapping up uh, our series in uh, on the Holy Spirit uh, this morning, and um, I hope... Um for those of you who have been a part of this, it's been as good a series for you as it has been for me. I have enjoyed it, and um, I, I've, I've really loved the study. So uh, just for those who might be visiting or just because we're wrapping things up, I want to recap sort of what, what we've walked through. But we started the series with who the Holy Spirit is, a person. Um, not Not a thing, not a power, but the third person of our Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We looked at how the Holy Spirit was God with His people in the Old Testament. Um, Even after the fall and Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, God was not, um, not happy that they would be separated. And so the Holy Spirit was God's way of being with His people and leading and guiding and helping and teaching them. We saw as well in the New Testament how... um how Jesus was connected and dependent on the Holy Spirit, how important the Holy Spirit was in the life and ministry and the miracles of Jesus. Uh, We saw in John 14, 15, and 16 the incredible promises from Jesus about the coming of the Spirit, Um, how the Spirit would be with each of us as as we love and follow Jesus, Um, how He would be with us, make His home with us, and be with us and in us until the day of our redemption. Uh, He talked about, Jesus did, our our helper and how the Holy Spirit would be our helper, leading us, teaching us, bringing us to conviction, um, uh, and not just bringing us to conviction, but the Holy Spirit working through us to convict others as well of sin and righteousness and, and judgment. Um, he is our helper as, as the Holy Spirit manifests himself in believers through what we call the spiritual gifts, and we talked about the spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts are, are God's way of continuing to provide for his people and what we might be lacking. Last week, we talked about uh, life in the Spirit and what it means to walk in the Spirit and how we walk by the Spirit, and we do that by faith. A walk with the Spirit is a walk of faith, truly believing who the Spirit is and what He does, truly believing all of those promises that Jesus made about the Spirit. When we do that, when we believe those things and we walk in the confidence of of the Spirit, um, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in our lives, in us and through us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this week, I want to close out this morning by thinking about what that means for us as a a church, New City. What would it look like for us as a church to be a church that is walking with the Spirit? So I I want us to pray this morning, and let's pray together that the Spirit would be good to teach us this morning and to convict us of um, as Jesus promised, of of sin and righteousness and judgment, um, that the Spirit would be good to shape us into the image of Jesus. Would you pray those things with me? All right, let's pray together. Father, we uh, we come together in prayer. We we love you. Um, what a what a great time this morning so far uh, in in singing and worship. Uh, Remembering who you are, remembering how good and faithful that you are. I pray now, Father, that your your spirit would be equally, if not even more gracious, to lead us in this next part of our time together as we look at your word. I pray that your spirit would be good to, to convict us in those areas of our life where we need conviction. That, that you would be good, Holy Spirit, to encourage us this morning as we might need encouragement. That you would remind us of, of all of the things that we've talked about and what a gracious gift you are to us, Holy Spirit. God with us, in us, until the day of our redemption. Uh, Father, have your way with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Okay, so the question again that we're sort of answering this morning is what would it look like for us to be a church, New City Church, walking uh, with the Spirit? And I want us to go back to Galatians. That's where we were last week. So we'll go back to Galatians and we'll look in just a minute at chapter 5, a portion of that. Um, before we do, like one of the things that is most natural for us in our culture, um, particularly Western culture, is that we, we see most things um, as, as it has meaning for us. When we, when we read the Scripture, we apply the Scripture um, singularly, most often, just to us. What does this mean to me? What can I take away from this? What does this have to do with me? And it's, it's usually about, about me. The fruit of the Spirit, for example, this isn't always bad. The fruit of the Spirit, for example, should be evident in each of our lives. Like the, the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in, in my individual life and, and it should be evident to you in my life. So that's an area where applying the fruit of the spirit to my life is a good, good thing. Oftentimes, though, we stop there with just the individual and 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 we never consider the corporate application of the scripture. It applies to me for sure, but it applies to me as a part of something that is bigger than me, something that is greater than me, and that is us the church. And so I want us to think about um, the Holy Spirit's presence in, in, in terms of the church. When I, when I ask that question, what would it look like for, for us to walk with the Spirit? That's what I mean. What would New City Church look like if we were a people who were walking with the Spirit? Here's the first thing that we see. Um, if we are a church walking with the Spirit, then we are walking by the Spirit together. That sounds kind of repetitive, but but think about it with me. We are walking by the Spirit together. Going back to Galatians 5, I I want to look at this passage that we looked at last week, beginning in verse 16. Paul writes this, But I say, walk by the Spirit together. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. We talked about all of those last week. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love But I say, Paul wrote, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the flesh. And we tend to take this you and all of those other yous in this passage as as applying singularly to me. And there is truth that it does, but there is um, another use there. Paul's word is not singular, it's of course plural. So so in our context, we would translate that as y'all. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and y'all will not gratify the flesh. Is that helpful? And We didn't read this in chapter 6 last week, but but if we look at chapter 6 in verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Just by reminder, I said we are walking by the Spirit together. What does it look like if we are a church walking by the Spirit? Then we are walking by the Spirit together. What I want to point out here in this is that 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 paul goes from from the plural of of a church walking in the spirit and not in the in the flesh to to a church who is helping one another to live that way and right? in those first verses we read, we see that Paul is calling the church y'all if you, if y'all will then you all won't be gratifying the flesh. If you all will follow the Spirit, if you will follow the Spirit, then you won't be doing the things of, of of the flesh. And then Paul leaves that and he goes to, here's how we do that. As a church, we help one another with that. Paul says, you who are more spiritual should restore him. And what Paul means there in the Being more spiritual is is not necessarily that this is a person who has been a Christian for longer or who is on, on staff at the church. What he's talking about is those of you who are walking right now with the Spirit and doing pretty well in your spiritual life, then you help those who are not walking in the Spirit. This is how we walk together. If we, if we put this together, what I think we see is that Paul is assuming, is assuming that the walk in the Spirit that he is calling the Galatian church to is not an individual walk. Are you with me? Paul is calling the church family to, to, to be a part of seeing one another walk by the Spirit. To be individual. Paul Paul is calling us together, not just to be individuals who are walking by the Spirit, but to be a church of people who are walking by the Spirit, and for those who are walking with the Spirit, when you see others who are not, and Paul is calling you to help them walk with the Spirit, so together we can be a church walking with the Spirit. If you remember a, a couple of weeks ago, um, for those of you who were here, we started our message on the spiritual gifts with, with an understanding that when God created us, He created us with lacking. Every single one of us is lacking, just like Adam was lacking and needed Eve, and Eve was lacking and she needed Adam. Adam. They complemented one another, and the same is true for us in the body of Christ. That's why we have the spiritual gifts, and no single person has every gift because God created us with lacking, and he brings us together so that we can help one another. You, you are not okay when you are alone. Amen? I am not okay when I am alone. In fact, the, the, the truth is our, our being alone a, a, as habit. Now, I'm not talking about being an introvert needing to recharge. I'm that guy. But, but when my life is lived in isolation and not a part of the family that God has brought me into, then something is wrong. Because I was not created for that. You were not created for that. We need each other. We need each other, Paul is saying in these verses, in this walk with the Spirit. We need one another to walk well with the Spirit. We need to be reminded of the relationship that we should have with the Spirit. God has given us each other to remind one another of the relationship that we should have, to be pressed to believe those promises of Jesus that we talked about in this series. We need to be asked sometimes, hey, have you have you prayed about this? Does it feel like this is the way that the Spirit, Do you do you sense the Spirit leading in this direction? Is the Spirit going before you? In this thing, we need that from each other. And when someone in the family, Paul uses this word, is caught in transgression. When someone is caught in transgression, chapter six, verse one, then those of us who are walking with the spirit need to gently point this person back to the gospel and to their walk with Jesus to call them to turn from their sin and help them walk again with the spirit. I know this is, is not an easy thing, right? It's not an easy thing for us to confront someone, to talk with them, even when we love them, about the sin in their life. It is, it is a hard thing to do. Right? We, we, are, we are putting ourselves out there and, and, and have that fear of rejection. I get it. It's hard for us. It's hard to be the person who is hearing someone say, man, it doesn't look like you're walking with, with the Holy Spirit right now. Your life isn't bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You're bearing the fruit of the flesh in this thing. I know that is hard, but this is what God intends for us. This is actually a grace to us from God. This is why God has put us in a body and given us one another. It's grace from the Father. He has not only provided the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in our lives, but when we are hard of hearing or when we too readily ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit, then we have one another. And the Holy Spirit speaks through us as well. God's given us a family. God's given us a family to walk with. This is how we are meant to live together. When we believed the good news of the gospel, we were not only forgiven of our sin and made children of God, but we were brought into a family. Right? We are children of God. We, we, we share a father, and that makes us brothers and sisters. God has given us brothers and sisters to walk with us. Brothers and sisters to walk with us and to help us in our walk with the Spirit. It is a gracious gift. So what would it look like for us to be a church walking by the Spirit? That's our question. Paul doesn't say, I, I love this here, I really do. Paul doesn't say signs and wonders. I'm not at all opposed to signs and wonders. But, but what it looks like to be a church who is walking with the Spirit is not necessarily signs and wonders, but it is definitely a people helping one another walk with the Spirit. Even if that means helping them see that the fruit they are bearing in their life is the sinful fruit of the flesh. There's another thing that I think Paul said um, that we will see in a church walking with the Spirit. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and again, it, it's easy for us to make those virtues just about us individually, being good and virtuous people, having that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That, that is a, a good thing, but there is more to it than that. Um, People who are loving, uh, right, the, the, the first fruit mentioned is, is love. Um, Paul connects this with, with something other than just you being a loving person who is nice and kind, right? What, what Paul connects this with is serving. Now, be patient with me here, but, but, but when, the, when, when the church, when we as a church are walking with the Spirit together, then we are serving one another through love. Evidence that we are walking with the Spirit as a people is that we are serving one another through love. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then if we move down in chapter 6 again to verse 9, Paul writes, And let us not grow weary of doing good, For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and and love is connected here by Paul to serving. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and, and when we love people, we are moved to act for their good. Genuine love, the love that we talked about in the fruit of the Spirit, it is agape love. And agape love is a self-sacrificing love. So when the fruit of the Spirit is seen in our life, it is seen through this self-sacrificing love that we have for others. And Paul says that means that we are serving others in this love. This kind of love moves us to be more than just a nice person, it moves us to actually do something to serve the people around us. We, we talk a pretty good bit about, about serving at New City. Um, serving isn't just something that we add to our list of things to do because it's a good thing. Right? So we're Christians and we ought to serve. Let's check serving off. Serving is an actual identity that is ours because we are in Christ. And so serving is not something that we do in a list of things to do. Serving is who we are because in Christ we are shaped into his image. Romans 8 makes that very clear. That God is shaping his people into the image of Jesus. That is the image that we were created to bear to begin with. Apart from sin in our life. If we could live a life that was sinless. It would be a life that looked like the life of Jesus. Jesus was the perfect man. We are being shaped into that image, the one person who loved God perfectly and loved the people around him perfectly. So more and more as we mature in faith, we should look like him. And that means we should serve. When Jesus was with his disciples, the disciples, well like us, tended to fight over things that they shouldn't have. And, and, and one of the things they argued about and they, they jockeyed for was this position of authority with Jesus. Who was going to have the authority? Who, who, would, who, would, who would lead at, at his right hand? And one day, uh, this argument was going on, and actually one of the moms got involved, one of the moms of the disciples, and she is also urging Jesus to, to show favor to her sons. Um, and we read in Matthew 20, beginning in verse 25, this, but Jesus called to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? Serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. In Philippians chapter 2, um, Paul writing to the Philippians that we should have the same mind that Christ has about himself. We should be a people who look at ourselves as Christ looked at himself and others as Christ looked at others. And, and, and humbly, we should consider ourselves as Christ considered himself. And Christ um, humbled himself to the point of taking on the flesh of humanity, right? Like, like perfect God took on the flesh of humanity. He humbled himself to become a man. As if that was not humbling enough, um, the word that Paul uses to describe him is, Paul says he became like a slave, like a slave. Now, now sometimes our Bibles translate that as, as servant, and it's true, he was a servant. The word that Paul uses here is not... Um, The the word that is typically for servant, it's doulos, which is more of a slave. And so really, the lowest of the low, right? Here's my point. When we walk by the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit, and that means that we are growing more and more to look like Jesus. And the love that the Spirit manifests in us and through us is the same love that we see in Jesus, and that love serves others. That love is a servant love. It's not a love that sits and waits to be served. It's not a love that is jockeying for the position of power so that they can tell everybody else what to do and be served. When we are being shaped into the image of Jesus and we have the fruit of the Spirit in us, the love that Jesus had, then then we willingly, humbly, without question, serve others. Let me press that further. When we walk with the Spirit bearing the image of Jesus, serving isn't something that we do in an hour hour and a half time slot at church on Sunday. That's a part of it. But that's not the end of it. When we bear the fruit of the Spirit because we're walking with the Spirit, we, we, we love others and we serve because we are servants, right? We, we, we serve because we love people. We serve here at church. That's the hour and a half that I was talking about. Yes, we serve together here at church because we love the people here. We love the visitors that, 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 that God brings here. And, and because we love them, we want to serve them. So absolutely, we serve here. We also serve in our missional community. We don't just show up to our missional community and sit down and wait for somebody to bring the food. We don't wait for somebody else to clean up. We serve because we're a family and we love one another. We serve because that's exactly what Jesus did when he was here and we're being shaped into his image. We're helping where there, where there is a need for help, even at work. Even at work, we are servants at work, no matter what our title is, no matter what our level of authority is. Just like Jesus, the highest authority possible, and what was he? He was a servant. We serve at our kids' school, we serve at the park, we serve wherever we go. We serve because we walk by the Spirit, and the Spirit bears the fruit of love, and love serves We serve because we are being shaped into the image of Jesus, and he is a servant. So again, if a church is, is, is walking by the Spirit, the people of that church are not strangers to, to serving. serving. Serving together, serving here, serving in MC, serving in the community. They're not strangers to, serve, to serving. They are, they are servants. And then look at chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 again with me. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, what I want you to notice here is, is that the call to serve is a call to serve everyone. I'm going to repeat myself a minute here. The call to serve is a call to serve everyone, not just our church family. Right, Like I said a moment ago, we serve here at the church. When we are gathered in love, we serve one another. We serve during the week in our missional community, helping and serving wherever there are needs. We serve at work. No matter what our authority or position or title is, we serve at our kids' school, at the park, wherever we go. We serve wherever we go. We serve the people around us. Now, I want to back up and put this together with chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For you were called... To freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled, listen, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love who? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, shows itself in our service to others. We love, therefore, we serve. And this service is to one another, yes, for sure, one another here in this sweet family that we have at, at, at church, this sweet family that is the church of those who love Jesus, but it is also our neighbor, And that's people who may not be a part of this sweet family that we are a part of here. Now, I want to make a connection here that I I don't think Paul would be upset with me about, but it's not necessarily a connection that he makes in these verses. When we serve our neighbor in love as the overflow of the Spirit's work in us, we have an opportunity to engage in mission. And I think that is a huge part of what serving others is about, is engaging in mission. So what does it look like? Back to our question, to be a church who walks by the Spirit, it looks like a church of people who are on mission. It looks like a church of people who are on mission. We are engaging in God's mission together, together. Now hear me on this, serving is not the mission. Serving does not equal mission. Being nice and meeting people's needs physically, that is not the mission. This is the good thing that Paul is talking about, right? How we serve one another and love one another, but that is not the mission, the mission of God is seeing his people redeemed, intended to be before sin entered into the world. And the way that people are redeemed and reconciled and ultimately restored is through faith in the work of Jesus Christ. It is faith in the good news of the gospel, believing the gospel. Jesus came to do what none of us can do for ourselves, right? Th- this is the gospel. This is the good news. Jesus came to do what we can't do for ourselves, to live the perfect life that we can't live, the life that is required to spend forever more with God. We have all failed at it. We will all fail at it. Every human has except for Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we can't live, and he did that on our behalf. He died the death that we deserve, suffering the very wrath of God that should have been ours, paying our penalty for our sin, the wages of sin. The penalty for sin is what? Death. Jesus died the death that we deserve, and on the third day he was raised from death, defeating death and sin and Satan. The good news of the gospel is that when we trust in his work rather than in our own work, then we are saved from our sins, we are forgiven, we are granted His righteousness as if it is our very own righteousness. God does not see us in our sin because of Jesus through faith. When God looks at us, He sees us as holy and spotless and without blemish because that's what He sees and is in His Son, Jesus that's the good news of the gospel, right? That we are, we are redeemed from sin. We are reconciled to our Father. God has made a way in Christ Jesus for broken humanity to be redeemed from sin, to be reconciled to Him. And one day we will be fully restored to everything that was meant to be before sin entered into the world. All of this is ours through faith in His work and not our own work. This is the good news of the gospel. One day Jesus promised us that he will return. And when he does, he will judge his enemies, those who don't love and follow him. And he will establish his kingdom here on earth fully and finally. And in the kingdom that he will establish, it will be a kingdom of perfect justice. It will be a kingdom with, with, with no wars and no fighting and no striving. It will be a kingdom of peace. And he will right every wrong and he will fix every brokenness. Tears and mourning will be turned to joy and laughter and we will be with him forevermore. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing that has been done for us in Jesus. This is what we could never accomplish on our own. And right now, today, right now, God is at work redeeming and reconciling broken humanity to himself. And listen to me, he has called every single one of us to that same mission. This is what it means to live as a Christian. This is the purpose of our life. The great commission, as you go make disciples, that commission is not just the the commission for those first disciples, but through them and every generation that follows, including us, it, it is our commission. Our commission to his great mission. Loving and serving Our neighbor gives us the opportunity to proclaim to them the beauty and glory of Jesus and this good news. Serving is not the good news. Serving is not the mission. It gives us an opportunity for the mission. To share with those people the good news that that, that I was once lost and now I'm found. To to share with them that that I was once blind and now I see. That I was once a beggar and now I am filled. That I was once a fatherless orphan but now I have a father and I have many brothers and sisters. That I was once, sometimes still am, a self-centered, self-loving person seeking only my good. but, But now I do love my neighbor. This... Is all because of Jesus. This is the mission of Acts chapter one, eight. I want to make sure that we don't miss this connection to the Holy Spirit. This is part of what the Spirit empowers us for is this mission. So when we're, when we're walking by the Spirit, when we're walking with the Spirit, then we are walking with the Spirit on this mission and in this mission. It, it's, it's this mission that, that, that comes up in Acts 1.8 when Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit is coming, and he's coming with power, and when he comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This this is the the Great Commission mission, right? Where where Jesus told his disciples, look, here's what you do when I'm gone. As you go about your life, you make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded. And, And lo, behold, I am with you until the end of the age. How is he with us till the end of the age? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who will bear witness in you and and through you of who Jesus is. He has done as you tell your neighbor the beautiful news of Jesus. What does it look like when a a church is walking by the Spirit, right? This This is a church, not just a person. It's not just you. It's us. What does it look like when we are walking by the Spirit? It looks like a people so filled with love for their neighbor that by the power of the Spirit, they can't not talk about Jesus, right? Now, maybe some of you have caught it by now. What does a church look like when it is walking by the Spirit? It looks like a family of missionary servants, disciples making disciples. It it looks like a people helping others live in light of the gospel. If you don't know, that's our New City Mission Statement. A church who walks with the Spirit certainly is a a church of people growing individually into the image of Jesus. As they yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, his conviction of what sin is and and what righteousness is, it is is a people learning and growing as the Holy Spirit teaches them the word of God and reminds them of the words of Jesus. Jesus. It is, it is a family. What, what does it look like for us to walk with the Holy Spirit? It looks like a family. It looks like we are a, 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 a genuine family, people who recognize that, that God has placed them in this particular body as he desired, and he has done so for the good of the body. And likewise, the body is for the good of the individual. It, it is a, a family helping one another to walk with Jesus, to walk by His Spirit. A family who warns a, a family member when they are too walking again with the Spirit. It, it is a family on mission together. Our MCs, the groups that we have that meet in homes during the week, MCs reaching neighborhoods, MCs reaching communities together. It's us planting new missional communities because we understand this is the mission of God that we are on. It's neighborhood parties. It's it's block parties. It's third place where we can invite friends who may not know Jesus to come and meet our family. To people serving together, serving here, serving in, in missional communities, serving through our missional community, serving in the community, serving in their neighborhoods, serving at their kids' school. It's, it's, it's us, New City Church, being, being known as a place and a people of love. Being known as a, a place and a people of, of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We're known for that because we're a people walking together with the Spirit. What does it look like? It looks like a people of great faith. Of great faith, trying great things for a mighty God. A people of great faith, believing that the Spirit goes before us. And the Spirit guards behind us. And the Spirit is with us always. Always. New City, let us walk by the Spirit together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for your Spirit. Thank you for such a gracious gift. Forgive us that we have not known what a beautiful gift that you've given us. Thank you for your, your patience in, in, our, in our not knowing. Thank you for your, your grace in our ignorance. Father, we are now without excuse. So I pray that your spirit would be good to remind us, as Jesus said, your spirit would remind us of his words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us of of the words of Jesus and the promises of Jesus. I pray that you would remind us of the word of God and, and remind us again and again of the beautiful gift that is ours. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would more and more shape us into the image of Jesus Not just individually, but that we would be that church for your glory and for the good of your people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.